Section forty being Book nine, chapters twelve to seventeen, volume one of Le Mort d'Arthur. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Le Mort d'Arthur, volume one, by Sir Thomas Mallory. Book nine, chapters twelve to seventeen. Chapter Twelve How Sir Palomides followed the questing beast, and smote down Sir Tristram and Sir Lamorak with one spear. And this meanwhile there came Sir Palomides, the good knight, following the questing beast, that had in shape a head like a serpent's head, and a body like a leopard, buttocks like a lion, and footed like an hart and in his body there was such a noise as it had been the noise of thirty couple of hounds questing, and such a noise that beast made wheresomever he went. And this beast evermore Sir Palomides followed, for it was called his quest. And right so, as he followed this beast, it came by Sir Tristram, and soon after came Palomides. And to brief this matter, he smote down Sir Tristram and Sir Lamorak, both with one spear, and so he departed after the beast Galtisant, that was called the Questing Beast. Wherefore these two knights were passing wroth, that Sir Palomides would not fight on foot with them. Here men may understand that be of worship, that he was never formed, that all times might stand, but sometime he was put to the worse by malfortune and at some time the worse knight put the better knight to a rebuke. Then Sir Tristram and Sir Lamorak gad Sir Cahidius upon a shield betwixt them both, and led him to a forester's lodge, and there they gave him in charge to keep him well, and with him they abode three days. Then the two knights took their horses, and at the cross they departed. And then said Sir Tristram to Sir Lamorak, I require you, if you hap to meet with Sir Palomides, say him that he shall find me at the same well where I met him, and there I, Sir Tristram, shall prove whether he be better knight than I. And so either departed from other a sundry way. And Sir Tristram rode nigh thereas was Sir Cahidius, and Sir Lamorak rode until he came to a chapel, and there he put his horse unto pasture. And anon there came Sir Meliagaunce, that was King Bagdemagus's son, and he there put his horse to pasture, and was not ware of Sir Lamorak. And then this knight, Sir Meliagaunce, made his moan of the love that he had to Queen Guinevere, and there he made a woeful complaint. All this heard Sir Lamorak, and on the morn Sir Lamorak took his horse and rode unto the forest, and there he met with two knights hoving under the woodshore. Fair knight, said Sir Lamorak, what do ye hoving here and watching? And if ye be knights errant that will joust, lo, I am ready. Nay, Sir Knight, they said, not so. We abide not here to joust with you, but we lie here in a wait of a knight that slew our brother. What knight was that, said Sir Lamorak, that you would fain meet withal? Sir, they said, it is Sir Lancelot that slew our brother and if ever we may meet with him, he shall not escape, but we shall slay him. Ye take upon you a great charge, said Sir Lamorak, 
for Sir Launcelot is a noble proved knight. As for that we doubt not, for then is none of us, but we are good enough for him. I will not believe that, said Sir Lamorak, for I heard never yet of no knight the days of my life, but Sir Launcelot was too big for him. Chapter 13 How Sir Lamorak met with Sir Meliagaunce, and fought together for the beauty of Dame Guinevere. Right so, as they stood talking thus, Sir Lamorak was ware how Sir Launcelot came riding straight towards them. Then Sir Lamorak saluted him, and he him again. And then Sir Lamorak asked Sir Launcelot if there were anything that he might do for him in these marches. Nay, said Sir Launcelot, not at this time, I thank you. Then either departed from other, and Sir Lamorak rode again thereas he left the two knights, and then he found them hid in the levered wood. Fie on you, said Sir Lamorak, false cowards! Pity and shame it is that any of you should take the high order of knighthood. So Sir Lamorak departed from them, and within a while he met with Sir Meliagaunce. And then Sir Lamorak asked him why he loved Queen Guinevere as he did. For I was not far from you when ye made your complaint by the chapel. Did ye so? said Sir Meliagaunce. Then will I abide by it. I love Queen Guinevere. What will ye with it? I will prove and make good that she is the fairest lady and most of beauty in the world. As to that, said Sir Lamorak, I say nay thereto. For Queen Morgorse of Orkney, mother to Sir Gawain, and his mother, is the fairest queen and lady that beareth the life. That is not so, said Sir Meliagaunce, and that will I prove with my hands upon thy body. Will ye so? said Sir Lamorak, and in a better quarrel keep I not to fight. Then they departed either from other in great wrath, and then they came riding together as it had been thunder, and either smote other so sore that their horses fell backward to the earth. And then they avoided their horses, and dressed their shields, and drew their swords, and then they hurtled together as wild boars, and thus they fought a great while. For Meliagaunce was a good man, and of great might, but Sir Lamorak was hard big for him, and put him always aback, but either had wounded other sore. And as they stood thus fighting, by fortune came Sir Launcelot and Sir Bleberis riding. And then Sir Launcelot rode betwixt them, and asked them for what cause they fought so together. And ye are both knights of King Arthur! Chapter 14 how Sir Meliagaunce told for what cause they fought, and how Sir Lamorak jousted with King Arthur. Sir, said Meliagaunce, I shall tell you for what cause we do this battle. I praised my lady, Queen Guinevere, and said she was the fairest lady of the world, and Sir Lamorak said nay thereto, for he said Queen Morgorse of Orkney was fairer than she, and more of beauty. Ah, Sir Lamorak, why sayest thou so? It is not thy part to dispraise thy princess that thou art under her obeisance, and we all. And therewith he alighted on foot, and said, For this quarrel make thee ready, for I will prove upon thee that Queen Guinevere is the fairest lady and most of bounty in the world. Sir, said Sir Lamorak, I am loath to have ado with you in this quarrel. For every man thinketh his own lady fairest, and though I praise the lady that I love most, ye should not be wroth. 
for though my lady Queen Guinevere be fairest in your eye, which ye well Queen Morgorse of Orkney is fairest in mine eye, and so every knight thinketh his own lady fairest. And which ye well, sir, ye are the man in the world except Sir Tristram, that I am most loathest to have ado withal. But, and ye will needs fight with me, I shall endure you as long as I may. Then spake Sir Bleberis, and said, My lord, Sir Launcelot, I wished you never so misadvised as ye are now, for Sir Lamorak saith you but reason and knightly. For I warn you, I have a lady, and methinketh that she is the fairest lady of the world. Were this a great reason that ye should be wroth with me for such language? And well ye wot that Sir Lamorak is as noble a knight as I know, and he hath ought you and us ever good will, and therefore I pray you be good friends. Then Sir Launcelot said unto Sir Lamorak, I pray you forgive me mine evil will, and if I was misadvised I will amend it. Sir, said Sir Lamorak, the amends is soon made betwixt you and me. And so Sir Launcelot and Sir Bleberis departed, and Sir Meliagaunce and Sir Lamorak took their horses, and either departed from other. And within a while came King Arthur, and met with Sir Lamorak, and jousted with him, and there he smote down Sir Lamorak, and wounded him sore with a spear, and so he rode from him, wherefore Sir Lamorak was wroth that he would not fight with him on foot, howbeit that Sir Lamorak knew not King Arthur. CHAPTER fifteen, How Sir Kay met with Sir Tristram, and after of the shame spoken of the knights of Cornwall, and how they jousted. Now leave we of this tale, and speak we of Sir Tristram, that as he rode he met with Sir Kay the seneschal. And there Sir Kay asked Sir Tristram of what country he was. He answered that he was of the country of Cornwall. It may well be, said Sir Kay, for yet heard I never that ever good knight came out of Cornwall. That is evil spoken, said Sir Tristram, but an it please you to tell me your name, I require you. Sir, wit ye well, said Sir Kay, that my name is Sir Kay the seneschal. Is that your name, said Sir Tristram? Now wit ye well that ye are named the shamefullest knight of your tongue that now is living. Howbeit ye are called a good knight, but ye are called unfortunate, and passing overthwart of your tongue. And thus they rode together till they came to a bridge. And there was a knight would not let them pass till one of them jousted with him. And so that knight jousted with Sir Kay, and there that knight gave Sir Kay a fall. His name was Sir Tor, Sir Lamorak's half-brother. And then they two rode to their lodging, and there they found Sir Brandilis, and Sir Tor came thither anon after. And as they sat at supper these four knights, three of them spake all shame by Cornish knights. Sir Tristram heard all that they said, and he said but little, but he thought the more, but at that time he discovered not his name. Upon the morn Sir Tristram took his horse, and abode them upon their way. And there Sir Brandilis proffered to joust with Sir Tristram, and Sir Tristram smote him down, horse and all, to the earth. Then Sir Tor le Fils de Vesour encountered with Sir Tristram, and there Sir Tristram smote him down. And then he rode his way, and Sir Kay followed him, but he would not of his fellowship. Then Sir Brandilis came to Sir Kay and said, I would wit fain what is that knight's name. Come on with me, said Sir Kay, and we shall pray him to tell us his name. So they rode together till they came nigh him, 
and then they were ware where he sat by a well, and had put off his helm to drink at the well. And when he saw them come, he laced on his helm lightly, and took his horse, and proffered them to joust. Nay, said Sir Brandiles, we jousted late enough with you, we come not in that intent, but for this we come, to require you of knighthood, to tell us your name. My fair knights, sithen that is your desire, and to please you, ye shall wit that my name is Sir Tristram de Lyonesse, nephew under King Mark of Cornwall. In good time, said Sir Brandiles, and well be ye found, and wit ye well that we be right glad that we have found you, and we be of a fellowship that would be right glad of your company. For ye are the knight in the world that the noble fellowship of the round table most desireth to have the company of, "'God thank them,' said Sir Tristram, "'of their great goodness. "'But as yet I feel well that I am unable to be of their fellowship, "'for I was never yet of such deeds of worthiness "'to be in the company of such a fellowship.' "'Ah,' said Sir Kay, "'an ye be Sir Tristram de Lyonnes, "'ye are the man called now most of prowess "'except Sir Lancelot du Lac, "'for he beareth not the life, Christian nor heathen.' that can find such another knight to speak of his prowess, and of his hands, and of his truth withal. For yet could there never creature say of him dishonour, and make it good. Thus they talked a great while, and then they departed, either from other, such ways as them seemed best. CHAPTER Sixteen: How King Arthur was brought into the forest perilous, and how Sir Tristram saved his life. Now shall ye hear what was the cause that King Arthur came into the forest perilous that was in North Wales, by the means of a lady. Her name was Anaur, and this lady came to King Arthur at Cardiff, and she by fair promise and fair behests made King Arthur to ride with her into that forest perilous, and she was a great sorceress, and many days she had loved King Arthur, and because she would have him to lie by her, she came into that country. So when the king was gone with her, many of his knights followed after King Arthur, when they missed him, as Sir Lancelot, Brandiles, and many other. And when she had brought him to her tower, she desired him to lie by her, and then the king remembered him of his lady, and would not lie by her for no craft that she could do. Then every day she would make him ride into that forest with his own knights, to the intent to have had King Arthur slain. For when this lady Anaur saw that she might not have him at her will, then she laboured by false means to have destroyed King Arthur, and slain. Then the lady of the lake, that was always friendly to King Arthur, she understood by her subtle crafts that King Arthur was like to be destroyed. And therefore this lady of the lake, that hight Nimu, came into that forest to seek after Sir Lancelot du Lac, or Sir Tristram, for to help King Arthur, for as that same day this lady of the lake knew well that King Arthur should be slain, unless that he had help of one of these knights. And thus she rode up and down till she met with Sir Tristram, and anon as she saw him she knew him. O oh, my lord Sir Tristram, she said, well be ye met, and blessed be the time that I have met with you, for this same day, and within these two hours, shall be done the foulest deed that ever was done in this land. "'Oh, fair damoiselle,' said Sir Tristram, "'may I amend it?' "'Come on with me,' she said, "'and that in all the haste ye may, "'for ye shall see the most worshipfullest knight of the world hard bestead.' "'Then,' said Sir Tristram, 
I am ready to help such a noble man. He is neither better nor worse, said the Lady of the Lake, but the noble King Arthur himself. God defend, said Sir Tristram, that ever he should be in such distress. Then they rode together a great pace, until they came to a little turret or castle, and underneath that castle they saw a knight standing upon foot, fighting with two knights. And so Sir Tristram beheld them, and at the last the two knights smote down the one knight, and that one of them unlaced his helm to have slain him, and the Lady Anaur gat King Arthur's sword in her hand to have stricken off his head. And therewithal came Sir Tristram with all his might, crying, Traitress, traitress, leave that! And anon there Sir Tristram smote the one of the knights through the body, that he fell dead. And then he rashed to the other, and smote his back asunder. And in the meanwhile the Lady of the Lake cried to King Arthur, Let not that false lady escape! Then King Arthur overtook her, and with the same sword he smote off her head. And the Lady of the Lake took up her head, and hung it by the hair of her saddle-bow. And then Sir Tristram horsed King Arthur, and rode forth with him, but he charged the Lady of the Lake not to discover his name as at that time. When the king was horsed, he thanked heartily Sir Tristram, and desired to wit his name, but he would not tell him, but that he was a poor knight adventurous. And so he bare King Arthur fellowship, till he met with some of his knights. And within a while he met with Sir Ector de Maris, and he knew not King Arthur, nor Sir Tristram, and he desired to joust with one of them. Then Sir Tristram rode unto Sir Ector, and smote him from his horse. And when he had done so, he came again to the king, and said, My lord, yonder is one of your knights, he may bear you fellowship, and another day that deed that I have done for you, I trust to God ye shall understand that I would do you service. Alas, said King Arthur, let me wit what ye are. Not at this time, said Sir Tristram. So he departed, and left King Arthur and Sir Ector together. Chapter 17 How Sir Tristram came to La Belle Isolte, and how Cahidius began to love Belle Isolte, and of a letter that Tristram found. And then, at a day set, Sir Tristram and Sir Lamorak met at the well, and then they took Cahidius at the forester's house, and so they rode with him to the ship, where they left Dame Bragwine and Gouvernai, and so they sailed into Cornwall all wholly together. And by assent and information of Dame Bragwine, when they were landed, they rode unto Sir Dinas the seneschal, a trusty friend of Sir Tristram's. And so Dame Bragwine and Sir Dinas rode to the court of King Mark, and told the Queen, La Belle Isolte, that Sir Tristram was nigh her in that country. Then, for very pure joy, La Belle Isolte swooned, and when she might speak, she said, Gentle knight seneschal, help that I might speak with him, other my heart will brust. Then Sir Dinas and Dame Bragwine brought Sir Tristram and Cahidius privily unto the court, unto a chamber, whereas La Belle Isolte had assigned it, and to tell the joys that were betwixt La Belle Isolte and Sir Tristram, there is no tongue can tell it, nor heart think it, nor pen write it. And as the French book maketh mention, at the first time that ever Sir Cahidius saw La Belle Isolte, he was so enamoured upon her, that for very pure love he might never withdraw it. And at the last, as ye shall hear, or the book be ended, 
Sir Cahidius died for the love of La Belisolte. And then privily he wrote unto her letters and ballads of the most goodliest that were used in those days. And when La Belisolte understood his letters, she had pity of his complaint, and unavised she wrote another letter to comfort him withal. And Sir Tristram was all this while in a turret at the commandment of La Belisolte, and when she might she came unto Sir Tristram. So on a day King Mark played at the chess under a chamber window, and at that time Sir Tristram and Sir Cahidius were within the chamber over King Mark. And as it mishapped, Sir Tristram found the letter that Cahidius sent unto La Belle Isolte. Also he had found the letter that she wrote unto Cahidius, and at that same time La Belle Isolte was in the same chamber. Then Sir Tristram came unto La Belle Isolte and said, Madam, here is a letter that was sent unto you, and here is the letter that ye sent unto him that sent you that letter. Alas, madam, the good love that I have loved you, and many lands and riches have I forsaken for your love, and now ye are a traitress to me, the which doth me great pain. But as for thee, Sir Cahidius, I brought thee out of Brittany into this country, and thy father, King Howell, I won his lands, howbeit I wedded thy sister, Isolte la Blanche Mince, for the goodness she did unto me. And yet, as I am true knight, she is a clean maiden for me. But wit thou well, Sir Cahidius, for this falsehood and treason thou hast done me, I will revenge it upon thee. And therewithal Sir Tristram drew out his sword, and said, Sir Cahidius, keep thee! And then La Belle Isolte swooned to the earth. And when Sir Cahidius saw Sir Tristram come upon him, he saw none other boot, but leapt out at a bay window, even over the head where sat King Mark playing at the chess. And when the king saw one come hurling over his head, he said, Fellow, what art thou, and what is the cause thou leapest out at that window? My lord the king, said Cahidius, it fortuned me that I was asleep in the window above your head, and as I slept I slumbered, and so I fell down. And thus Sir Cahidius excused him. End of chapter 17